Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button and give us that five-star rating. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about the variety that you get right here on the CEP Network. The CEP Network now has a promo code for one of the best nutrition and supplement companies in the business for you, the listener, to use. Just go to truenutrition.com, look at all their great products, place your order, and when you go to make your payment, type in CEPN in the promo code box for 5% off of your entire order. It's that easy. We are excited to be able to promote such a great company and happy that our listeners get to benefit from it as well. In this episode, Patrick and I chat about the booing from the crowd at the Kansas City Chiefs and Houston Texans game. We talk about the K-pop band BTS and what it means to hold stock in a record label. And we dive into the creative process of songwriting and all the moving parts that are involved. If you would like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out on the social medias. You can reach us on the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And if you have any topics you would like to hear us cover about music, sports, or pop culture, email us at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Raised on the Radio. Episode, was it like 36? Does that sound right? Sounds about right. All right, that's a lot of weeks of talking. Is that so? <laughs> yes, it is. Sound like you're sick of me. Well, we don't have to get into that. However, we are recording on Friday, which means that Last night was the first night of football, NFL. Back at it. Did that excite you at all, or did you not care? Well, I was I was excited. I did not watch, however. Okay, I did not either. Um, I was excited until I found out I could not watch, and then, to be honest with you, completely forgot about it. And then I woke up this morning, and I went, oh, yeah, there was a game last night, and it was the returning Super Bowl or defending Super Bowl champions. Right. Shame on me for not uh, for not watching. But uh, I think the game is, is uh, the second most important thing that happened last night because it's, uh, it's all over the place that apparently there are some shitty people in Kansas City. Would you say that? I mean, I don't... If we have anybody well, listening from Kansas City, I don't want to... What's going on? <laughs> if there's anybody from Kansas City that listens to this show, I don't want to badmouth them because I don't know that it's across Kansas City that everybody feels the same way. Okay, However, hey, people from Kansas City, if you weren't at the game last night, we're not talking about you. <laughs> there, let's let's preface it with that. But it's important to note that they actually had fans in the stands at this game. No, it was at was like 25% capacity, something like that? Yeah, like minimum capacity. Okay. So basically, it looked like a Jacksonville Jaguars game. Some, I mean, it just, you know. And hey, people in Jacksonville, sorry, it's a joke. Anyway, so <laughs> go ahead and explain what happened. Well, I mean, it's really simple. Like, So at the beginning of the game, you had Kansas City huh. and Houston. Like both teams were interlocking arms, right? Yeah. And people were booing it because I guess this was supposed to be a symbol of like unity. Yes. And for some reason, Kansas City, well, I guess there's some Houston fans too, but people in Kansas City were booing this. What's your, okay, so 
the the headlines, of course, is Kansas City fans booing Unity. Do right. you think that's accurate? Like, do you think that that's what they are looking at that symbolizing, and they don't like it, or what do you think? I think it's a well I, for those in the attendance that were booing. I think it could have been a multitude of things or a multitude. Well, you got to look at it this way: there were probably people in the stands that knew that a politicized, corporatized agenda would be spewed out by the NFL this year, which is exactly what happened. And well, they're sick of it already. Yes, but do you think that that was an NFL thing? Like, do you think that the NFL asked these teams to do this? Yes. You don't think it was just on the teams themselves they chose to do this? No, the NFL is going to do it. The NFL's they've taken a yes. They've already come out and said that we support the fight against racial injustice and all these things. Yes. Huh. Let me let me let me say I don't have any problem with them locking arms and showing a sign of unity on the field. Right. Um, but I do know that there are people who don't want their sports to be politicized, and they certainly don't want a corporate entity telling them that they need to uni- unite with their fellow man. They don't want that. So that's why they were booing. Then I think there were really dumb people in attendance that just started booing because <laughs> they were booing. And then I think there were other dumb people in attendance that started booing because they didn't want their team interlocking arms with the enemy before the game. I can see those that. three things for sure. I can see that part too, but you don't ever see people bad mouthing two quarterbacks who shake hands at the end of the game or or, you know, guy, guy, guys, well, I know, but still guys who trade uniforms and stuff like that. You don't really see anybody badmouthing that. Again, that's the end of the game, not the beginning of the game. So what does that mean? It means that the players aren't going to play as hard because they're friendly with the other team. That's exactly how people think. You're absolutely right. This isn't MMA. <laughs> that's why. No, you, you when you said it, I think you were joking, but no, you're right. Precisely. You're correct. That's that's the way that people think. But let me let me just say this. I don't care about that so much. Like, well, well let me just say this. If we if we weren't on the social political landscape, if we weren't where we are where we are right now, okay, and two football teams did that, I would go, oh, what the hell? No. I wouldn't boo. I would just keep my mouth shut. And I also wouldn't. I would internalize those those feelings of sort of like, what the hell was that? I wouldn't even care. Now. If I continued to see it out of my favorite team, game after game after game. Now, remember. We're not talking about the 2020 that we are currently experiencing. We're talking about a different different time, different different thing. Um. But if I were going, hey, hey guys, what are you what are you doing? Why do you keep buddying up and playing grab ass with the other team before the game? This is bullshit. And they go, oh no, no, we're taking a stand. We want to show that we're we're taking a stand against racial injustice, and we want to show that we're unified. I would go, oh cool, that'd be the end of it. That's where it end. That's where it would end for me. <laughs> right. That, that'd be it. Oh cool. I I'm with you then. Um, but it's kind of funny that you asked that because it immediately made me think of the NBA. And I think it's why the NBA is, we talked about it 
a couple of shows ago where everyone came down on uh, Montrez Harrell for calling Luka Doncic a bitch-ass white boy. It's like, really, guys? Like, are we that? Like, come on. No one's feelings should be hurt with that. Right. But it's it's just a testament to how soft the NBA is. And it's because all of these guys are buddy-buddy before the game. It's All of these guys are friends. There's There are no... There are no rivalries in the NBA anymore. Now, there are teams that have to play each other every year in the playoffs, but they're not rivals. There is no Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. There is no Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas and Larry Bird. Like, there are not those Michael Jordan against everyone he played. There are not those rivalries anymore. There just aren't. And that's what I grew up watching in the NBA. So I'm like, when I see the NBA now, I'm like, why is LeBron James over there cupping? DeMar DeRozan's balls or Damian Lillard's (laughs) balls or Chris Paul's balls before the game. Bro, get away from him. This is game six. What are you doing? Walk away. Like, it's just, it's, it's a, but that's the way it is. I mean, when they're kid, when you're a kid and you play basketball, you meet these guys at a very young age and you play against them all of your life. So you get to know them at an early age in your adolescent years where those are your formative years where you're making friends and you're impressionable you don't form rivalries when you're 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. So they become friends. And then right. once they get to the pros, they're already friends. And it's like, uh, good luck, man. Hope you win. Nah, fuck you. I don't hope you win. I'm going to win. That, that's something but, interesting I never thought about. So when it comes to, so you went to a bigger school, like how many, how many uh, people were in your graduating class? Do you remember? Oh, geez. Uh, no. No. I don't remember, but it wasn't as, it wasn't as much as a public school. So like, can you give me like what hundred range was in your, I would say 300. Okay. That's not too big. Maybe, too bad. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. But anyways, so you're talking about like you have, you, when you're at a young age and you start playing against these kids. So you're talking about from other schools, right? Do you think it's, is it, is it, is it, do what? No, I mean other schools, other states, other city. I mean everywhere, all across the country. Okay. Well, I guess what the reason I was asking is because so do you have other schools in bigger districts that is the same way? Like, do you see, do you meet these kids when you're younger and normally end up playing through middle school and high school against the same kids with the same schools, or do you think that or that does that change a lot more with bigger schools? The reason I ask is because I come from my graduating class was 76 people. I come, yeah. I come from small school area. So sure. when I started basketball in second grade, a lot of those same kids that I played against in other schools around here were the same kids that were playing in senior year. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and I think you still have that. I think you still have rivalries in state, in the same city, in the same district. That to me is a little bit different. But look, LeBron James didn't play against Dwayne Wade in well, right. Ohio. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. However he met these guys playing AAU and all the other extracurricular basketball they play outside of school. And that's where you meet these guys. And then you play them year round. And again, you, you're forced to go to camps with them. You, you just become friends. And again, that it doesn't mean that it happens to everyone, you know, but it's just, it has a lot to do with why the NBA is the way it is now. Still fun to watch. I mean, these guys are still insane athletes who are really good at what they do. I still watch it, but I get a little annoyed when a guy from my favorite team is yucking it up with the other team before the game, especially in the playoffs. Look, if it's February, right, 
Okay, whatever. Whatever. Fine, go over, have a good time. But, like, playoffs? Man, hit the layup line, dude. Don't even worry <laughs> about them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, it's weird. It's bizarre. But what about what about MMA when it comes to that? Does that, does you do you get a different feeling by, I mean, not, not like you're going to have two fighters who are, like, chatting it up on the side of the cage before they go in but you know when they're they're you know that they're friendly with each other or the rare occasion where you see two fighters out of the same camp fighting each other and stuff like that i mean what what's your feelings on does it change your feelings towards the fight based off of if they you know they hate each other going into it or you know that they're friendly with each other do you think that changes anything in the fight it, it does not change anything for me, but I watch every card. I watch every fight. So I know how these guys are. And I know that once they get into the octagon, they know that the other guy's trying to hurt them. Right. So the whole friendship thing kind of goes out the window. Um, it, well, but I think, to, I, I think to a casual fan, the casual fan wants to see the heated rivalry. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't. I don't need two fighters to talk shit to each other for me to get excited about a fight. Right. Donald Cerrone is one of my favorite fighters and he doesn't talk shit at all. Right. In fact, he tries to be friendly with you before and after fights. Right. Uh, one of my, one of my most favorite memories of him, of him doing what I just said of being friends with you before and after was when he was fighting Matt Brown and before the fight, Matt Brown had Matt Brown was being Matt Brown, you know, kind of this sort of thug like, straight face sort of i'm not going to be your friend he doesn't talk shit necessarily but he's very all about his business and he doesn't really he doesn't want the attention he doesn't want to be so and i remember cerrone would try to interact with him and get him to engage and matt brown was like no i'm here to win i'm here to i'm here to knock him out like this and that so and then in their fight going into the final round of their fight they went, it went three rounds and cowboy finally won via head kick in that third round. But before the third round, he went out and Cowboy put his hands up like, hey, are we finally going to do this? And Matt Brown went in and did it. And Cowboy was so joyous over it. Like he was like, finally, dude, you finally get it. And then he head kicks him and knocks him dead, <laughs> which is kind of like, okay. But I think that works to his advantage. And then some guys need the trash talk. And But I, I don't, I don't, I personally do not care either way. I don't care. I mean, it, I don't necessarily care, but it does give you a, like a different feeling. Like when Cowboy fought sure. uh, Anthony Pettis, you know, they were kind of joking it up and everything. And even like after each round, they basically hugged each other and was like, hell yeah, man, you know. But look at that fight, though. That fight was a goddamn war. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, even though both of those guys may be friendly with one another, they know what the other can do to them. So right. it. It changes. And I, I don't think I'm hypocritical hypocritical in saying that I don't care about it in MMA, but I do care about it in basketball. They're not fighting in basketball. They're playing a game. Right. Yeah. It's it's completely different. Right. Um Yes, they're both sports, but one, you're getting kicked in the face and you're getting your knee ripped off. The other, you're getting called a bitch ass white boy. Oh man. What's good? Like it's it's just not the same. Do you think that would translate over to say the NFL the same way? If you ha if you heard, which it it would probably blow people's minds to probably hear the things that are actually said, like out there on the field to each other. 
But oh, if yeah. you heard a quarterback call somebody else a bitch ass white boy and it was heard on TV or cl- you could clearly see it, would it have been such a big deal as it was with the NBA? Or is it just because the NBA is so soft? I think bitch ass white boy gets thrown around on the football field 1,000 <laughs> times. So, yeah, I think it's completely different. Honestly, okay. I just think it's different. And um, it's funny you asked that because that was going to be my, ne- my next point where, you know, you ask, would I care if they interlock arms? As a fan, my first instinct would be like, oh, man, I don't want to see my I don't want to see him engaging with the enemy like that. But they're like, hey, it's for we stand against racial injustice. Cool. I do, too. I'm with you. Fine. Unfortunately, there are a lot of dummies out there and there were a lot of dummies in Kansas City last night. Just fucking shut your mouth. Just let it happen. Like it's not impacting you. And by you, I mean the people in the stands. It's not impacting your life either way. It's not. Right. You know? And also, why would you be more upset at the idea of standing against racial injustice than the idea of racism itself? Why doesn't racism get you as upset? Why don't you boo someone being racist because it happens in front of you from time to time we all see it we've all seen it why don't you boo then you know so the idea that those guys and i get it i understand um there again there's a corporatized sort of political agenda you know uh, that the nfl is taking and again it, it does profit them it does help them profit and, and all those things i get why people would be upset at that i understand the thinking or the logic behind that. Okay. I understand that as well. But again, it's not hurting me if those guys lock arms and stand together. Right. So the people, it's the people it's really hurting are the people that believe in this higher sort of, um, ruling class idea that, you know, we must stay divided because it's the only way to fucking balance a checkbook. It's, I just, it's, it really it sucks, but you know, we, you and I have both said this many times on this show because this entire show we've been dealing with 2020 essentially, and we've seen Ahmad Arbery, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. Um, forgive me if I'm forgetting names, but all of these situations, and we just talk about how well. Look, as long as we're divided, it's easier to rule us. It's easier for us to. Um, follow the rules or it's easier for them to implement the rules and get us to not push back against them. But isn't that weird that you have a massive organization like the NFL that's doing the op kind of doing the opposite right now? What do you mean the opposite? As far as like trying to promote unity versus division. No, well you're right. Um, I think they're promoting it, but again, I think people kind of see it as hypocritical. I don't think they think it's real. We're talking about the same organization that didn't want Colin Kaepernick to play at first, right? So We're talking s- about the same the same group of people that rejected him for standing up against police brutality and racial injustice and things like that. So you think that people look at that as this is a show that NFL is putting on to make it look like they're promoting something that they that down at the bottom like deep down it's not really that belief or that doesn't yeah 
I, I guess I, I guess I came yeah. across trying to what I'm saying. What I I'm think they say. see it as woke moral posturing from an organization that at the end of the day, I don't know whether they care about unity or not. I'm not going to sit here and say that the NFL doesn't care about that. Okay. I think uh, if I had to make an educated guess, I would say yes, for the most part, they do. Otherwise, the league wouldn't be as diverse as it is. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but um, shit, I forgot what I was going to say. What was I saying? Colin Kaepernick. Oh, man. Damn it. Well, let me let me switch gears to attendance. So they are doing like 25 percent attendance. Do you know what how you get chosen? Like, how do you become one of those 25 percent is my first question. My second question is. As many people that it has to be involved with the NFL and like players, coaches, staff, medical, everything that's involved, I mean, do you, what's your prediction as far as how things are going to move forward? Do you think there's going to be like a huge outbreak? Because like the, the reason why I say that in like all people involved is like the MLB is not doing anybody in the stands at all. Baseball is not doing anybody in the stands. And they right. and now I know that when they've had outbreaks or players test, you know, test positive, it's players, not people in the stands. But I'm, I'm just curious how those things intertwine with each other and how if if you predict that the NFL will come out with a lot more cases or do you think everything will be fine? And I don't know, has NFL said anything about a bubble? Are they like playing in a bubble or anything like that right now? They're not, no. right? No. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, to my knowledge, I think it's up to the teams whether they want fans in attendance or not. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, look, I think you run the risk of people getting... COVID. Yeah, absolutely. You run that risk. If people show up, you run that risk. Um, I'm sure they're going to try to do what they can to uh, curb the actual people getting the fucking stupid virus. But look, and I say it again. If you want to go to an NFL game, and watch your favorite team play, be my guest. If you can go see Smash Mouth, you can go see the Chiefs play. Okay, So it doesn't mean I would do it. Uh, it doesn't mean I would be okay with one of my close family members doing it and then coming around me. I'd probably be like, hey, let me know how you feel in two weeks. I don't know if this is a good idea. It doesn't mean I wouldn't do it. Because look, if somebody called me right now and said, hey, I got tickets to the Browns or Ravens on Sunday and I got your plane ticket. You want to you want to hop on a flight real quick? I'd be like, oh, probably do. But <laughs> I don't know if I would. My wife probably wouldn't let me anyway. But anyway, um, they want to go. They can go. It's all a risk right now. Everything's a risk. But. Dude, I can't. I cannot remember what I was going to say. <laughs> this is driving you nuts. <laughs> to, to your question, I know I was saying that you know at the end of the day there are people who think that the NFL is just posturing, um, and sort of 
regurgitating an agenda that is not theirs. But look, we knew that we're going to do this. Major League Baseball did it. The NBA is certainly doing it. Major League Soccer did it. The NHL did it. Why wouldn't the NFL? The NFL is not above being a part of the woke community right now. And so what? So what? It doesn't matter. It's not impacting our lives. It's not. Also, it's a good thing. They have a giant platform. Millions of people watch those games. And I saw some fucking video. One of these troll casts pop appeared and they talked about, you know, the NFL ratings were the worst they were in 10 years um, because of the woke, you know, social justice warrior um, atmosphere at the beginning of the game. It's like, no fuckers. There's a fucking pandemic going on. Right. Okay. It's a different kind of year. Also, but, there's been one game. Yeah. So, but I, I have to, I have to imagine that what is going on, not the, not the pandemic, but what is going on with, you know, black lives matter and all this other stuff. I, I have to imagine that that can negatively affect the NFL. It absolutely just, can. Just because I I know personally people who have said that they have no desire to watch the NFL anymore. And these are people who were every Sunday they had to be in front of a TV watching the NFL and they've just given up. Now it's because it's politicized and all that stuff, I get it. I don't it's not necessarily that they're against Black Lives Matter or anything like that. It's just they're just over it, you know. So that's a I'm I'm glad you said that. So what are they over exactly? So again, I kind of go back to how I said this to actually a person who's somewhat close to me who when Colin Kaepernick started kneeling, kneeling, yelling, I'm an idiot, <laughs> kneeling, they're a veteran. Let me just let me just say this too. Okay. They're, and actually, I'm, I'm uh, quite a few veterans in my family. My dad's a veteran. My wife's dad is a veteran. My wife's mom is a veteran. But this was a younger person who is of this generation of NFL fans, sports fans, veterans, whatever the case may be, um, who was pretty upset about it and said, I, I'm not going to watch the I'm not going to watch any sport if they kneel during the anthem. It's a disrespect to the flag. It's a disrespect to my service, this and that. And so now I'm not going to argue with anyone who has served time in the military right. about anything right. military related. I'm not going to do it um, because I know I know what that means and I know how important it is. Like I said, my dad's a fucking veteran. My dad fought in a war. So like, however... I said, okay, I, I completely understand that. I go, but do you know the entire story? Okay, because you can't believe what you saw on ABC News last night. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, if you're getting the full context of what's going on and you don't want to, fine, I'm not going to tell you. I go, but you do realize that you may not have the full story. And you do realize that it's not impacting your life. I'm not saying you shouldn't be offended. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be pissed. I'm not saying that you should or should not watch. I'm just making sure you know, because you're a smart person, that it's not doing anything to your life, right? And I go, now, you could use that argument against me and say, well, because it's not doing anything for my life or to my life, I don't need to watch. And I agree. You're right. But it works the other way as well. 
Um, so no, they, and I'm glad you said that because that's still he doesn't he doesn't watch the NFL. He doesn't watch the NFL, um, and he's probably not going to watch baseball anymore because there were a bunch of players that kneeled um, at the start of the season. I don't think they. Well, I I haven't seen the national anthem for any game. I've watched the Indians the past six nights or six games start to finish and I didn't get to see the national anthem. I don't know if people are doing it or not. Um, but he doesn't watch baseball now. It's just interesting because even like the kneeling thing, and I'm not, I'm not trying to promote one way or the other here, but I don't know. Like I, I kind of look at it as you're not, like you, you're not necessarily disrespecting something because because you're respecting something else. Does that make sense? Like the yeah. like the kneeling thing. I don't think in his mind he was necessarily disrespecting the flag. He was trying to, you know, promote something else. So it's you're like, saying, so, are you so so? Are you, well, well, some people are saying that he did it just because he's disrespecting the flag. Like he's disrespecting the flag. He's disrespecting everything that the flag stands for. And that's why people have bowed out when it comes to watching the NFL because of that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. The person that I was just talking about knows that that was not his intent, Yeah, but he doesn't. Care. Right. He doesn't care. Yeah. I think it's disrespect period. Yeah. Um, that's just one person that's anecdotal. So like, but yeah, no, you're right. Some people think his intent was to disrespect the flag. Others know that that was not his intent, but hey, I cut from a different cloth. I come from a different place. But That flag, my service, everything, it holds a special place in my heart. Right. Especially those that I served with and died. Not the time and place, bro. Sorry. That's what some people feel. And, and there's also people who know what his intent was and that it wasn't sure. disrespectful are intended to be disrespectful. However, it still was to them. Right. So regardless exactly. of the, even if they know what the, what his intent was or didn't know, doesn't matter because he still did it and it's still considered disrespectful to them. So right. yeah, it's just, it's one of those things. Yeah. I mean, it, at the end of the day too, it's the whole situation is unfortunate because there's a lot of misinformation about why he started to do it why he continued to do it, why he signed a deal with Nike. People think, oh, he took all this money from Nike. He doesn't do shit for charity, this and that. He just did it for attention. It's like, well, look, we can't armchair quarterback that situation from our, our houses and expect to police the situation in a way, police, no pun intended, police the situation in a way where we know what's best for not only him, but everyone else who's watching, we don't know. We don't know. Um, my only real opinion on that, that matter, to be honest, was that he didn't handle it properly to start. And when he got in front of the media, he didn't handle himself properly. Um, and then I don't know why it stayed quiet for so long, but when that veteran reached out, that former Marine reached out to him and said, Hey, instead of sitting, kneeling might be a better idea because we kneel for our, for our fallen brothers and sisters. I don't know why that information took so long to get out to the public. And I think it did, and here's why, because you know, with with the media, you don't you if it doesn't fit the narrative, you're not going to hear about it. So the narrative was I'm sitting because I'm against police brutality, and he had sort of this 
look, what I'm about to say doesn't matter. I just think the way that he handled himself with the media to start at the beginning of that whole process, I think it was it was it was odd at the very least. And I think had he been a little more um, a little more clear about what his intentions were and what he was doing it for, I think it would have. I, I think we'd still be in the same situation, but I think some of the attention would have been deflected from this whole idea of disrespect, and I'm using air quotes there, and a much greater cause than that. I, I mean, I, I understand that, but I also think that maybe that whole situation got really big really fast. It did. You're right. And maybe even bigger than Kaepernick thought it was going to get. And maybe he was trying to not use that other guy as an excuse on why he did what he did to where then it looks bad on the other guy, because then now you have a narrative against somebody else that the media is going to try to portray saying, Oh, this guy told Kaepernick that he should do this because it's, you know, you know what I mean? I don't know if that's an excuse though. I think that's a moment of education. For not only for Kaepernick, but then for the rest of the country that doesn't know what it was like to serve. I mean, I. But then there are some Marines that don't agree with that guy. They don't want to be told that Black Lives Matter. They don't want to be told that there needs to be a criminal justice reform. They don't want to be told any of this. They just want to watch football. And to those dummies, I say, don't boo. Just keep your <laughs> mouth shut. You don't. You don't know any better than the NFL does. So just shut up. Just keep your mouth shut. It's not a long song. Star Sang- the National Anthem is not a long song. That wasn't a long moment of unity on the field. Just keep your fucking mouth shut for 15 seconds or whatever it was. Is one, so, is one of the sports doing the Black National Anthem? Uh, I thought it was the NFL. Was it? Okay, so did, I wonder if they I, did that last night. I'm not sure. I didn't see. I'm sure they did. Okay. Uh, they said, I mean, the NFL said that it was going to happen. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious to, curious to know that. But yeah, I just think keep your, just keep your mouth shut. It's not. Keep your booing to yourself. <laughs> but look, I mean, behind the players was a, a, a thing that said, we stand against racism. Why would you boo that? Like, why when you see that sentence, you boo? Like, what are you saying about yourself? That you're smarter than the NFL? Or that you perhaps might be a little bit racist? <laughs> I, I like, why, why would you boo that? It makes no sense to me. But anyway, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I didn't have an opinion... Um, because that was the first thing I saw when I woke up this morning. Um, was a picture of them standing like that. It was uh, Mahomes uh, and Watson, right? Mahomes and Watson. That was the biggest picture I seen. And uh, to be honest with you, I didn't have a reaction to it all. It might have been because it was at four thirty this morning, and they hadn't had any coffee yet, and I was just waking up. But I didn't have a reaction to it. And then when I read the story, I go, God, why did these dummies boo? Care like anyway. Hey, speaking of that, before we go to another topic, you, you mentioned being up before 30 in the morning. I need you to tell the story 
that your wife put on Facebook? Okay, you got to remember, I'm not on Facebook, so I, know, I don't know what the story I know was. About her changing your son's diaper in the middle of the night. Dude, I was cracking up. I'm glad she, I'm going to go seriously give her shit for posting You, you didn't know she posted it? I had no idea. <laughs> Motherfuck. Um, so you, you actually you actually came out okay in the story. She she didn't like badmouth you or anything. I better. <laughs> well, I, I guess I guess wrong. it was more about like your what your reaction was. Like she she said that you you reacted a lot better than she thought you were going to. Yeah, I deserve a medal. <laughs> what the hell? All right, so I'm, I'll try to make this quick, and I I, I don't want to divulge too much into my life so <laughs> our son is two months old so basically the way that we're we're handling sleep schedules and things like that is throughout the night and he's getting better he's sleeping like four hours a night now four hours solid where no whining no crying nothing some nights not all so this night in question here he was not sleeping at all but what she does, regardless of the four hours or not, is as long as he's awake, she's awake. So she is awake throughout the night. I'm sleeping. I'm waking up to help her a little bit, but then I'll go back to sleep. So I, I'm up 20 minutes at the most. And that's a, that's rare. So, like I said, the night in question, he's not really sleeping that well. He's fussing a lot. He's crying. We're changing him. She's changing him a lot. She's feeding him a lot. So... The night it was a stressful night for the both of us because we were not getting much sleep. So what I do is I wake up around four thirty, five o'clock, and then I take him and I let her sleep. We spend the next four or five hours together while mom sleeps, right? So it's getting close to the time where I'm going to be waking up. But not close enough because I was sleeping. <laughs> and so she's changing him. And he Pisses in her face, directly into her mouth. So her first instinct was to turn her head and spit. Well, she turned her head towards me and spit my son's <laughs> piss on me, into my face. And so my reaction was, I think I said, I think I woke up, like jumped, like, you know, it was like one of those, like, like in a movie where you just ping, you just, you just pop up. And I go, what the fuck did you? you just do to me <laughs> she goes he peed in my face and i go so you spit it on me <laughs> she's like i'm sorry i'm like what and, and so she's like i gotta go brush my teeth i'm like let me wipe the piss off of my face first <laughs> which by the way came from him and then from your mouth so yeah my son's pissed in my wife's mouth and she spit it on my face luckily not into my mouth my mouth was closed well, that's good i was thinking when when i read the story and i stopped hilariously laughing. I, I was thinking about, uh, you remember that episode of Sunny when they do the road trip and Dee has that jar of piss and she throws it out the door and it goes all over Max's face while he's sleeping in the back seat. <laughs> um, that's what it reminded me of. That's what it was like. Yeah. Anyways. Except it was uh, baby piss. <laughs> so let's switch glad, gear, she let's glad she posted that on social media. That's great. So let's Hello. let's switch gears a little bit. Let's go. Let's do some music talk. So, do you want to talk K-pop, or do you want to talk Machine Gun Kelly? I never want to talk K-pop, but we can. Okay. 
So for anybody who doesn't know, K-pop is Korean pop music. Yes. Which I said that I haven't even heard the term K-pop in or since maybe the last five years, if it's even been that long. And you said that it's been around for a lot longer than that. It just hasn't kind of got into American mainstream, I guess you'd say. That's what I know, but I could be completely wrong. Okay. Because, you know, you got to... What are you allowed to do in Korea? South Korea. Well, North Korea, you can't do anything, but lie down. In South (laughs) Korea, I guess you can... In South Korea, I guess you can make pop music. I don't know. I thought it's been around for a while. So either way. Is there is there any other genre of music that you know of out of Korea besides pop? I'm not every time. Well, I know, but like that has made it this big here to where you would know about it. Like, would you call like K Rock or any anything like that? You know what I mean? Like would you would you do that for other genres? There's K-pop, music of Korea, trot, Korean hip-hop, and pansori. Uh, The music of South Korea has evolved over the course of the decades since the end of the Korean War and has its roots in the music of the Korean people who have inhabited the Korean peninsula for over a millennium. Contemporary South Korean music can be divided into three different main categories. Traditional Korean folk music, popular music, or K-pop, and Western-influenced non-popular music. So that would be your rock, your hip hop, and things like that. Your metals, right? Okay, so that makes sense. So Western influenced music, referred to as popular music, is seen American hymns, Western folk tunes, Japanese choral music. Japanese choral music. Wonder what that's like. I might not be saying that. Anyway. So let me just say this. The biggest by percentage. What is trot music? I want to know what that is when I said it. Trot? Like T-R-O-T? Yes. So trot is a genre of Korean popular music known for its use of repetitive rhythm and vocal inflections. Originating in Korea during Japanese colonial rule in the first half of the 20th century, trot was influenced by many genres of Korean, Japanese, American, and European music. So basically, it's considered to be Korean folk music. Okay. But pop is the biggest genre of music in Korea. Like, by a lot. Now, this is me being ignorant to it, but is K-pop in Korean, or is it dubbed over, or is... Do you, like, do you understand the question? Like, is, is it in, is the words they're saying in English? Do they dub it over the music or I, I wonder? Well, let's look up the biggest K-pop group there is. And let's see what language it's in. BTS, right? Isn't that their name? So this is BTS. This is a song called Dynamite. It's from three weeks ago. It has 338 million views already. In three weeks? In three weeks. Oh, 
That's English. Whoa. And that doesn't mean that they've always been like that. That also, was... why why is that the most popular group in the world? You say in the world? Yeah. That's a big statement. But also they change members like every two weeks. Oh, really? Yeah, man. So I, when I first heard that, I like, I guess like Justin, some kind of Justin Bieber type music is what I would relate that to, I guess, of course, because it's pop. But then it turned into like a Bruno Marsy type of music. Which I guess is pop. Right, you are. So it's like so it, it's kind of like not all one style of pop, I guess. It's like infused with different styles, maybe. Or that's what I hear in that one song. Not that all the songs are that are like that. But I'm learning a lot. I had no idea about K-pop in general. Well, I think we've spent way too much time not talking about why you brought it up in the first place. <laughs> we're, we're doing way too much analysis of K-pop. It's pretty simple what it is. But why did you even bring it up? Because you sent me an article about it. What was the article? So they became shareholders. That's right. Yes. Okay. At their label. So now they own stock because their label went public recently. So... They're each going to make each member of the band, which, by the way, there are seven members. Wow. Stand to make about seven million dollars. Just from owning those shares, uh, the band's seven members each receive a reported sixty eight thousand three hundred eighty five common shares as a gift from big hit entertainment CEO name. I can't pronounce, which could mean they will each get nine point two three billion one of shares more than seven point seven million if. The IPO is priced as expected. The pricing values big hit entertainment at up to 4.8 trillion one, which is more than 4 billion. So basically what that means is there's equity simply just being on a label. Now they were gifted these shares. They were gifted this essentially, but that's not a common thing in the music industry. I don't think I need to say that, but and what does that do for other major label artists moving forward? Because I know that Warner Brothers went public recently. Sony already is public because they belong to the bigger Sony group so or whatever it's called. What, what do you mean by that? They went public. So they went public with their stock, which means if you own shares, you stand to make a okay. ton of money. Okay. So these seven members of this group stand to make a lot of money if the and when i said ipo that's an initial public offering if it stands to be the price that it was initially these guys can make a lot of money and they can cash in but in in the bigger picture it just it the idea behind it could change the way the music industry works because before just simply being on a label didn't mean you had equity in the label. In fact, it didn't mean that at all. Basically means the label fucking owns you and you can make your, your shekels when you can, but this is, this is different. This so is, now this are is you gonna basically see, the opposite. I mean, you, 
instead of them owning you, you own part of this. Yeah. That's it. That's nuts. And what, what would it take in your opinion these days in America to do something like that? Or do you think you'll ever see it here? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think it would have to take one of the labels gifting those shares to the artist. I wonder they what, didn't do anything on their own. Right. But I, want, I wonder what the reasoning behind that is. Like, what is the gift for? Because they've made the label so much money. Which is technically the way that it should work, if you think about it. You make the label X amount of money. Well, look, we've talked about this before. You know, artists get screwed by record labels all the time because their contracts suck. And they make the label a bunch of money, but their royalties are shit. They don't make a, any money. This is a... This isn't anything new. This is an age-old tale at this point. Um, so this is working the way it kind of should. You've made me all of this money. I'm going to reinvest in you, essentially. Now you're a part of the bigger picture, right? Um, I don't know whether I see that as a good thing or a bad thing, though. Okay. I so, think logistically, so, so let's, it makes sense. But Yeah, let's look at both sides, though. So... How would it be considered a bad thing? Give me that first. Mm. Is it not a is it not a good thing for an artist to hold so much power in or with a record label? Is that a bad thing? Yes. And why? To the record labels, I would say yes. Okay. But the like the way that it's worked before too is like, and I'm not talking about pop artists. Let's talk about bands for a minute. So like a band, what, what, what could happen is a member of a band could start their own label and what they would do is basically, or traditionally what they would do is sign other artists and that's how their label would make money. They would profit off the other artists. Now, the difference is, is that those record deals and those contracts are far different than what you're getting from a major label, right? Because this is typically someone who's gone through the grind on their own, Right. So the idea usually is I don't want to rip off other artists because I've been through it already. A good example would be um, Epitaph Records, which is owned by the singer of Bad Religion, Brett Gurowitz, I think is how you say his last name. Okay. Pretty sure. It's a really good label. It's a really great independent label to be on if you're a rock band or a punk band or a metal band. Um, from what I've heard, this is just what I've heard and what I've experienced. I actually have visited that record label and sat down with some of the people there. I've heard that they treat people well. I've heard that they treat their artists well. Um, now that's just what I've heard. I haven't experienced it. Never been on the label, so I don't know. Um, but that's kind of been the tradition of how you make money on your own as an artist, right? And then you can put your own band on the label tour under that band's moniker, whatever the case may be. This kind of changes that idea. And it basically says that if you make me X amount of money, you now own stock into stock in the company, right? Which is how all corporations work, kind of, right? Mm, I don't know. It's just, it seems, I don't know. It I just mean, seems I odd. Mean, I guess it's kind of, it gives the artist more 
opportunity, I guess, and it but it or to make money, I guess, but it also gives should give them more motivation to put out more music and make more money because on the label's going to make more money as well as them. Which I understand that that's probably should be the mindset regardless. But in this, it's not just about making the record label money because you're going to make the same amount of money essentially, right? Based off of what your contract is. Are you saying off of owning the shares of the... No, I mean, you're going to make more money if you own shares in the in the label than if you than if you're just under contract with that label. Um, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, yes, I would say yes and no. It's not it's not a guarantee that you'll make money. Right. Um, right. I mean, it's still based off of what you sell. No, it's not. Oh, so it's that's not? the thing. Uh, these guys got the shares from that that label owner because they've made him so much money. It was a gift, right? Right. It right. wasn't in their contract that they got equity. You know, they sort of would get this equity into the label. It just meant that he was being a good guy. Essentially, let me go back. Let me go back to the story here and read it. Uh, further but I mean, but I mean, essentially, says, if the label goes under tomorrow, they <clears throat> it, it it's. So let me let me look at it this way. BTS is responsible for more than 87% of the label's revenue for the first half of 2020 and more than 97% in their first half of 2019. So they're basically making that money, that label all of their money. Right. Okay. So uh, here's a quote from who's this? So Jeff Peretz, professor at New York University and expert in music copyright. Um, it's just a reminder of how the music industry has changed with the advent of streaming and social media, which have allowed artists to control more of their own revenue. However, this type of deal is still unprecedented. Um, it's also not something that's been seen in other arenas such as film, pro sports, or professional esports. Great point. Um, this may be the future, but usually it's the other way around where artists will create their own labels they have ownership of and then try to get other artists to sign with them and build out. Um, he's noted it's a savvy move on the record label's part, especially since BTS has reached international popularity. Um, just last week, BTS secured South Korea's first ever number one spot on the U.S. Billboard music chart. It's also only the third group in 50 years to have three number one albums on the Billboard 200 charts in under 12 months. What? Dang. The other two were the Beatles and the Monkees. Um Corporate entities in the industry are trying to lock down any potential revenue streams in ways in which they never have in the past. If BTS is the main revenue stream, it makes sense to make them partners and never run the risk of them leaving for another label That's what when their was, deal is up. That was going to be my next thing, too, is that it it <clears throat> gives them motivation to stay because they, yeah. know, they know how big they are. And they know that the more money they bring in, bring in for the label, the more money they're going to make in general versus if they were to go somewhere else, they're not going to get this kind of a deal probably. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a bit bizarre for this to happen to a group that has no part in the creative process. Again, they just show up and they dress and dance and look the part. How do you, um, how do you know that? Really? Is that a real question? It is a real question. 
How do you know? Hold on. Like, how do you, how do you know they're not part of the creative process? Can I ask you something? Yes, sir. Do you think that NSYNC wrote their music? Maybe. You really think that NSYNC, as a group of people, as a group of individuals, they got together as a collective and they wrote those songs? Probably not. So you think they got in a room and they wrote Bye Bye Bye? Probably not, but I would imagine that at least one or two of them did. I mean, that's that's like you saying in the bands that you've been in that you were the primary writer of the music, right? I would never say that, though. You would never say what? That I'm the primary writer of the music. But you said that. I've never said that. You didn't? You've told. I'm pretty sure you've told me that. 100% no. I've never said that I'm the primary writer. I said that I'm not. You're not the primary writer. Absolutely 100% not the primary writer. Okay. There are there are bands that function that way, where there okay. are one or two guys that write all of the shit, and the other guys play it. Um, I am not one of those guys. No. Okay. Um, so, so it looks like only a few of the members are listed in the song credits or the album credits as writers, um, specifically just lyrics and vocals. So you're telling me that you don't think that there were at least one of the guys in NSYNC did most of the writing for the band. You think that somebody else did it and they just came, showed up, looked the part, and sang the songs? Yes. Now, you just think that or you know that? I mean... <laughs> it just seems okay. like it's a guess. And we'll it, we'll come back to And I'm not saying no, your, no, 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 no. I'm not saying no, your no, no, guess no, 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 is no. wrong. I'm just saying it sounds like a guess to me. No, it's not a guess. Are you going to look up well, <laughs> writing credits on for yes. NSYNC? <laughs> yes. Um, we'll come back to BTS. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> albums, no strings attached. That was their big one, right? Uh, I think. And don't so. act like you don't know. I think it was. Okay, hang on. Uh, that that. Okay. I mean, how many people could have worked on this album? Seriously. Is there a lot? Yeah. It's ridiculous. I mean, that we're a boy band. It does seem like there would be a lot more moving parts. Do you know why? Because they don't write their music, Colt. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> this is from the liner notes on the album. I'm not making this up. So the, the group is listed as this. Lance Bass, background vocals, vocal arrangement. J.C. Shezhamarshad, lead vocals, vocal <laughs> arrangement, producer, mixing. Joey Fat One, background vocals, vocal arrangement. Chris Kirkpatrick, background vocals, vocal arrangement. Justin Timberlake, lead vocals, vocal arrangement, producer, mixing. So what it looks like to me is that two guys had a little bit more say in the production right. of the record. Right. Okay? So, well, in very, very serious air quotes say that they wrote songs okay now here are all the additional people working on the production of this record richard marks teddy riley guy roach diane warren robin wiley viet wren jake schultz bradley rip rock damon Kristen london candy rammy alex g and then on the technical side 
How? Jez Collin, drum programming. David Cole, engineer mixing. Mike Sumname, mixing. Scott Humphrey, engineer. Mario Lucy, engineer. George Mayers, engineer. Pat McMockin, mixing. Carl Napa, engineer mixing. The list goes on. And there are there are thirty more names here. Why do you Why do you need up. that many engineers and mixing people? Because you don't write your music. That's why. Regard regardless, though, even whether you do or not, why? Like, okay, the reason why I ask this because I'm I'm thinking of a local band in St. Louis goes into a recording studio and records an album. How many moving parts are involved in that? Is it just the band and one engineer for the most part? Uh, it depends on where you go. But it's typically going to be the band, producer slash engineer, producer slash an extra engineer, something like that. That's nuts. So look, man, I, who are we talking about on the last show when I said... Uh, just because you're in the room, it doesn't mean you wrote the song. Who are we talking about? I don't Taylor Swift. Was it remember or was it Miley? Miley, yes. So look, man, this is pop music. It's just, it's not. Let me see what the biggest songs on that record. So the biggest songs on this record. I, I don't, I don't like that excuse though. Like it's just pop music. Like does that mean that it's not as I don't want to say as good of a genre, but it like, do, like what, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Like it, it doesn't just, take as that, much. I mean, uh, as no, much by that, to I make mean, it. A, no, I, dude, it's, it's hard to explain. I guess the best way to put it is it's typically on pop songs. It's written by a producer or a songwriter, which is typically not going to be the artist. The artist gets songs written for them, you know? Okay. Um, do you know who Linda Perry is? No. You know who Four Non Blondes, the band, remember yes. that band? Yes. That song, What's Up? Yes. Linda Perry is the lead singer. Okay. So she's actually a more successful songwriter for pop artists than she ever was with Four Non Blondes. Okay. Four Non Blondes had that one hit and that was it. But she wrote songs for Christina Aguilera, for Pink. And not just like, okay, it's a, it's a throwaway song on a record, like hits, you know? <laughs> So how does that work if if somebody writes a song for say a pop artist or something like that like how does yeah. how does that process work do they is that on that person that wrote it to put music to it or is that a totally different person The re the reason why I, I I say that is because like you have to have if you're writing the words and it's going to become something you almost have to have the vision of what's going to go what's going to surround these words what kind of music is going to surround these words and things like that so do, I, I can't imagine it's just I wrote these words on paper and now I just give it to somebody and they they put music around it. Does that make sense? I don't know if it does or not. Let me translate. Okay. So you, you and your fucking lyrics. Lyrics don't matter. She didn't write down any words. So the, she worked so on the, the words so the, probably so the, mu the music came first. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe lyrics too. <laughs> um, let me make sure I understand what you're asking. So you're asking, did she write the song and go, hey, Christina Aguilera, how do you like this song? Something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. Well, okay. So I, I'm, I'm picturing in my head like a solo artist who is 
they have words they want to use. Now I understand that. <laughs> what do you mean? They wrote some. They wrote a poem and they go, "This would be a good song," but I don't have any music. Is that what you mean? Something along those lines, really. Okay, go, go, go. Continue, go. I'm with you. I'm catching up. I'm okay, catching so if up. you're so if you're a solo artist, you do you think okay a beat's just gonna pop in my head first? Now I'm going to put words to that, and the words don't the words don't really matter. Or is it the other way around? Do you have words that you wrote down on paper and you're like, and then you try to figure out what kind of music can I put to this that will make it be catchy? I think both of those situations happen. You know? Okay. It, we're getting, we, you're not letting me get to sync here, <laughs> but let me just tell you. So one of, one of the most, the song Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm -hmm. That started as words on a piece of paper written by Anthony Kiedis. Um, that's how that song started. Uh, he wrote down the lyrics. He just, it was a thoughts he was having, whether you want to call it a poem, a journal entry, whatever it is, he wrote it down. And Rick Rubin was the producer on that record, I'm pretty sure. And so the producer of the record was looking through his book of lyrics and stopped on that one and said, what's this? Because it's something that I wrote down. It was in my head. And he was basically like, can you sing it for the band? And I think Anthony Kiedis was like, well, I don't really know how it's, how I'm going to sing it. Like, I don't know how it's supposed to be arranged, but I'll do it. And then he sang it for the band. And then it became one of their biggest songs ever. Okay. The rest is history. That does happen, yes. Even though I make fun of you for expecting it to happen like that every time, yes, it does happen. And then it does happen where there's a beat, there's a guitar riff, there's a bass part, there's a whatever, and then everything else falls into place. Um, Another One Bites the Dust by Queen apparently started with that bass riff. Um, now, I didn't know that until I saw the movie and I thought, that's got to be bullshit. But from what I've researched on it, again, I'm just, there's the internet, so who knows whether it's true or not. But that's kind of how it started. Bass player was like, here it is. Doom, 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 doom. That's it. And the rest is history. So it can happen both ways. So look at, look at it this way. And then we'll look up a, we'll look up a solo artist. We'll make, so sync that song, Bye Bye Bye. Biggest hit on that record, I think. So when you look at credits for that, there are one, two, three, three songwriters listed, none of which are members of the group. Okay. Okay. Let's look up one more. It's going to be me. Was that a big one? Sure. Think so. It was a meme, that's for sure. What's the meme? It's gonna be May. Everybody always makes that meme and puts it up like the last day of April. Those people should join the people booing at <laughs> Kansas City and shut the fuck up. Uh so that song again, one of the other hits from the record. One, two, three, three songwriters listed, none of which are 
members of the group. Okay, so so so, so now it, when so, I say so, so, do you do you think it's the same way for Justin Timberlake as a solo artist? Yes. You don't think he writes any of his music? I think he writes some of it. Yes. Okay. I think he has ideas. I think he sat down with Timbaland and was like, "Here's an idea." Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you want to look him up? No, we're good. Okay. So now <laughs> you think I'm crazy when I say that no, I think it's I... bizarre that BTS would get equity into their label and have now become a part of the big picture because they don't write any music. Why? Well, I, I don't think you're crazy because of that. You acted like I was crazy. No. Yeah, a little bit. I enjoy this because I'm I'm getting different sides of all this while also learning more in inside record labels and things like that and how things work. Let's be clear. I don't know shit, okay? But you, uh, know, you know more than I do, so that's a plus. So BTS, let's look up Map of the Soul 7, which is their seventh studio album that came out in February. It's a Korean album. Uh, so singles from this record, Black Swan. Let's see if we can get some credits here. Credits and personnel. BTS is listed as primary vocals. P-Dog is listed as production, songwriting, keyboards. So songwriting, RM, are these members of the group, though. Again, this song has six songwriters. Let me see if one of these is a member. Okay, so one apparently is a member. RM is a member. Who is J-Hope? J-Hope is a member. And then... How do you say this? J-U-N-G-K-O-O-K. I don't want to say it wrong. I don't either. That I, person's a writer as well. I feel like that could go too many different ways that would make me sound bad. <laughs> that human being is also listed as a songwriter as well. So look, dude, either way, what I'm saying is I think it's crazy that it's a pop group and not a fucking a band, you know? But whatever. They deserve it, man. They made that, they made that label a ton of money. So that's what that noise was. Was that your phone? It was. It was your phone turned on totally thought it was silent only done 36 episodes no big deal i know i know um but look man good for them that's gonna be huge for them and it could change it could change the way record labels work i don't think it's gonna change the way independent record labels work because they they're not public anyway there's no there's no there's no stock to own um but they did list in that in that news article, there were they did say that a couple, one or two of the major labels have gone public. That article was saying that. Yeah, um, I thought I saw that. Like Korean labels or labels here? No, a few of the majors in, uh, like Warner Brothers, I think went public. Gotcha. Uh, of the three major labels, yeah, there are only three now. Of the three major labels, Warner Music Group went public in June. Universal Mu Music Group is reportedly planning an IPO within the next three years. And Sony Music is owned by the publicly traded Sony Corporation Company. So what, what, 
what benefits do they get from going public? That brings in other shareholders, potential okay. Okay. shareholders. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, people start buying their stock and as the market fluctuates, those people make money and then they lose money. But I feel, it's, I, I it's, feel, I feel like the music industry is a tricky business to buy stock in. Um, I would be concerned. Yes. But there is something else from this article too. So he said this move by this label and BTS also brought to mind something called Bowie bonds, which were first issued in 1997. Artist David Bowie was able to raise $55 million from investors with the promise of income from his back catalog of 25 albums. Investing in an artist catalog is similar to investing in stock in that the value can fluctuate over time. Wow. That's what Michael Jackson did. He bought the Beatles catalog. Oh, really? And then wouldn't sell it back to him. <laughs> and actually, it was Paul McCartney's idea. Paul McCartney gave him the idea. He's like, yeah, you should buy rights to other artists' music. And he's like, good call. I'm going to buy yours, fucker. That's good. Um, that's a gangster. Move. I, don't, I think that's been settled recently, or not recently, but I think that's been settled since. And I think since Michael Jackson has died, but who knows? Yeah, dude, it's it's a well, it's a it's a it's a it's a corrupt business, man. It's just I've always liked the idea of the independent label, but whatever. I, ma I imagine that's a hard game to play, though, like to make. To be very successful with an independent Become label. Become profitable? Yeah. Uh, it can't be easy, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's what you should do. You should start an independent label. Mm, yeah, probably not. <laughs> All right, well, you got anything else? Probably not. Probably not? No. I think... Uh, well, look. It's funny you say that because I was just going to say right before you said that I've seen hardworking independent bands or bands that are on independent labels sell a significant amount of records just through touring and just working their asses off. No real publicity, no radio play, no MTV, none of that stuff. Just hard work, just city after city, show after show slang in their merch that's how they sold records um that that's a recent thing well, i think i think artists still do that yeah but no this is this isn't recent this is this is uh yeah, middle 2000s gotcha. um a band that i know in particular that sold a healthy amount of records on their own on a very smaller sort of independent label um now, look, they're not swimming in money because of that, but their value raises as they do. As you do that and can continue to do that, you show what your value is. And there have been bands to make the jump from independent to major labels, and it's typically been a bad idea. But um, like bands, I'm trying to, a band that comes to mind is a Treyu. You know, they were on a, a independent label, made the jump to a major label. Uh, you remember the band Thursday that I had you check out? Yep. 
they were on the same independent label as Atreyu. Nice. They went to a major label. Yeah, so it, it happens, and it's it's just a it's a situation by situation thing, case by case thing. Um, the the way that this thing works, we'll, we'll we'll have to see how it plays out. I don't see it happening anytime soon to any other artists. You know, I when you say start a record label, it's like just what does the world of streaming do to that? I just I'd have to I would have to do a ton of research and have a ton of partners helping me with that before I would even consider that a good idea. Because <laughs> I, I think streaming's bullshit. And I think the value behind it is misrepresented by the streaming services. And it's under-reported that the artists are the ones really bringing in the revenue for those those services. Do you know who... So it just made me think of something else, and I was going to mention it, so I'm glad you said that. Um do you know who Joe Budden is? Mm-mm. I think I'm 0 for 3. Um, so, so Joe Budden is a rapper uh, who has since sort of, and I'm using air quotes here, retired from rap. But he has this a podcast. Um, really popular hip-hop podcast, I guess. But really, it's just a pop culture podcast. They talk about a lot of shit. But, so he was on Spotify. And he just took the, the podcast off of Spotify um, because in his response to this, and it's a long story. And if you have 15 minutes to spare, you can YouTube his response to why they let. It's interesting the way that he puts it. The one thing I know of him, because I do listen to the podcast every once in a while, and I listen to his music. He doesn't strike me as a guy who wants to be a corporate guy. So I when that when I saw that his podcast was on Spotify and he like got a job with Complex for a while, no longer works for them. When I saw those things, I go, man, he doesn't really strike me as the guy that wants to be a corporate guy. He doesn't seem like a company man. He seems like a rogue individual. Um, so when he announced that he was leaving Spotify, I kind of go, now, I don't know why, but I'm going to have to guess that it could be a combination of these things. He sees a guy like Joe Rogan go to Spotify and get a shit ton of money. Clearly money that he's not getting. But also, if he's getting the spot, if he's getting a ton of streams on Spotify and a ton of listens and downloads, whatever, he's making Spotify a lot of money. Right. So he doesn't think he's getting what he's worth, which is typically the case. That's why bands leave labels. That's why I'll say, you yeah, know, that's the same thing as music. Yeah. And in his is his explanation was simply I've heard through the grapevine what Spotify's pulling a year. Our show is one of the bigger reasons it's doing that. We're not being rewarded for it, so we're out. And it makes total sense. So that's what I'm saying about streaming. I don't know how to equate that to real dollar value. Right. I don't. I don't get. I don't. I don't get how it works. I know what artists are getting paid. You know. Why? Why is it so low? It makes no sense. I don't know. I don't know. And, and like, when you get added to a Spotify playlist, what does that even mean anymore? You know? How? Because I know we talked about this before, and it was broken down to me, and I've since, it's probably since changed, and I've since forgotten all of the 
specific details, but like when you come up in a unique playlist, it's more beneficial monetarily speaking to you than if the same person keeps searching for your band and listening to your band over and over. Right. Should it be, should it make you more money? I mean, it's still a stream, right? It's yeah. But there are things called unique streams and this and that. Again, I, I think it's a racket. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. I don't have Spotify on any of my devices. I don't like it. I think it's horseshit. Um, but I also would never tell any of my friends not to want to be on Spotify. You know what I mean? Um, my bands are on Spotify. You can find us there. You can listen to us. And I'm certainly not going to tell you not to listen to me. And what the goal for me is listen to me. Um, listen to the music. Um, so I'm never going to say that either. So that's why it puts me personally, you know, I have such an internal battle on this. I'm like, well... I'm not going to direct you to Spotify at first, but yeah, if you ask me if we're on Spotify, yeah. And that's, dude, the past two years, if someone wants to find music of mine, that's the first thing they ask. Really? And it, God, it, it <laughs> makes my asshole fuck, dude. <laughs> you guys on Spotify? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like, that's my response. Like, yeah, yeah could just go to itunes and just pay 99 cents for a song and if you like it you could buy another one I, it's just but whatever or you could go to our band camp and just listen to it you know or go to our facebook page and listen to it there i don't know you don't have to give these other people money you know what i mean uh, it's just um, but, but, but look what look what you can get from spotify for a small amount of money versus having to go out and pay a dollar for each song. And I'm not promoting listening to Spotify over buying songs. I'm just saying that that's the convenience for people. It definitely is convenience. You're right. But they probably aren't looking at it as I'm screwing the band right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know if you're, I don't even know if you're screwing the band necessarily because the idea is to get new fans and, and get atten attention brought to the music. Right. Um, and I, and I guess some profit is better than no profit. Some kind of sort of right. If you're a smaller working band, the idea should be to get as many people to hear your music as possible. So if you're coming up in those unique Spotify, playlists or in recommendations yes that's helping you but i would i would i would ask you this what are you doing to help yourself rather than relying on spotify right you know so i think the two can coexist but one should be more important than the other unfortunately i feel the value now has been put on streams and not on actual sales so we don't have to go the, into it well i should say this the value has been put on to the value has been put on the ability an artist or a band having the ability to generate streams forget about actual streams or number of streams just the ability to generate streams consistently i think that's what it's about so we don't have so. to go into it i just want like a basically a yes or no answer 
do you think that an actor or an actress would rather someone buy the movie that they were in or watch it on Netflix? Um, if they got back end, they got back end, meaning if they didn't get paid up front to be in that movie and they said, I think this movie's going to sell well, I want back end. Like that's how Leonardo DiCaprio made money off of Inception. He didn't get a paycheck for Inception, but he got all the money it made afterwards. He got a piece of that. So, and I'm sure now with Netflix, that's kind of worked into the deal. It has to be, right? People aren't buying movies anymore. So it's not essentially like the same thing as the music industry. A stream versus uh, buying an album isn't, doesn't translate over to movies like buying a movie versus streaming it on a streaming service. I have no idea. I think it's kind of the same. It has to be a little bit of the same. You would think. Yeah, I mean, one's going to impact the other. Right. Same way, you know. So that's what I'm wondering, too, is like you like on Amazon, for instance, you can rent and buy movies. But why? You know, yeah, like I guess if you want to see it badly, I guess you'll rent it or buy it. Right. I guess it's the same thing as when movies were uh, pay-per-view pay-per-view movies. Remember that? Yeah. Is that even a thing anymore? Can you still do that on like Pro- cable? Probably. You can buy a movie. I would imagine. When's the last time you did that? I, I didn't really buy it. I've, I've rented one, but it was just because it was, it was a, a guy locally made the movie and it was on Amazon. Man, I can't even stop this. There's so many noises going on. Oh, we're back. Okay. But anyways, a local guy, I can't, can't. (laughs) a local guy made a movie and it was on Amazon. So I rented it because it was the only way to get it. What movie was it? It's called Float Trip. It was basically a low budget horror film. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to guess that you're his target demographic. Is that, is that, what is, is that, that what is that is supposed that to mean? What does that mean? <laughs> Didn't you just get back from a float trip? Yes, but I I wasn't I would never have watched the movie if he wasn't the one that made it. Like it was gotcha. just because it was a movie that he made. Do you I'm know not, I'm not gonna watch a movie called Float Trip just because I like to go floating. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um is this someone you know personally? No. Oh. It's like a friend of a friend. But mm. it's just one of, like, there's a big difference between knowing somebody in St. Louis who's made a movie versus knowing somebody who's right up right down the road from me who made a movie down in the sticks. Sure. That makes sense. I don't know the last time I purchased a movie. I really don't. I want to say, yeah, I, it would take me a while to remember. I know it was, you know what it might have been? It might have been Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now that I think about it. Maybe not. No, I watched that on an eight-hour flight. And everyone <laughs> watching me watch it thought I was nuts. Because I laughed at all of the violence in it. 
No, it wasn't that. I can't remember what it was now. I don't know. Either way, um, I don't know. So the, the, the lessons from this podcast for you should be BTS writes their own music. NSYNC writes their own music. And even though we didn't talk about it, the guy who thinks Machine Gun Kelly ripped off his work for his new album artwork should shut up. That's my opinion. But he did. Maybe, nah, maybe Machine Gun Kelly himself didn't do it, but somebody nah. did for sure. Nah, it'll be fine. Dude, it is identical. Nah, it's, well, one's a cartoon and one's a real picture, so definitely not identical. There's no way those two things can be identical. They're two different things. Continue. Carry on. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Let's talk about that. Let, in the let, next me, let me ask you this. Uh, no, I won't ask. Save it, save it for the next one. Okay. Because <laughs> we're, we're going to dive into that topic on the next episode. Fair enough. Unless something crazy happens between now and then. And well, we have more to talk about. I'm sure something crazy will happen. That's that's a no-brainer. We do have a Sunday full of football this week, so... Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> right and early at noon for me, man. Got, I am so you excited. Got, you got your booing hat on? I got my what? Your booing hat on? No booing from me? <laughs> gonna have my Browns gear on? Gonna have my son on my lap? We're gonna watch some football. There you go. Can't wait. All right. We're out.